The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many voices are more powerful than one. When we share ideas, developments, and power, we can achieve anything. Welcome to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. Your hosts are Deetta Jones and Richard Dent. Together, they have made a worthy life that includes a family, two businesses, a foundation, and much more. They're ready to help you find your personal success. Now, here are Deetta and Richard. Welcome to DJ and DeBear. Good morning, um, America. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? How are you doing, baby? That's lovely, lovely. Good to hear your voice, baby. From other sides of the planet, it seems like. I'm Dietta Jones, your host. I'm a social justice advocate, leadership, and organizational effectiveness coach, speaker, and author. And I'm joined by my better three-quarters NFL legend and pro football Hall of Famer, Richard Dent. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm just trying to hang in there with this legend, beautiful lady that, that I have in my life. So how are you doing? I know you're traveling. You're in Dallas, and I'm here. I'm in Houston. Houston. Oh, I'm see, in that, Houston. That, 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 that. There goes those concussions, you know. <laughs> it, it, I, I, I just can't retain anything sometimes, baby. I, I tell you. I'm going to start. I'm going to start like notes on the bed for you, babe. Okay, I appreciate that, darling. So for those of you who are listening to us for the first time, let me just tell you, Richard is the brains and I'm the brawn. Wait, wait, wait. He's the beauty and I'm the There you beast. go. There no, you go. That's not right either. That ain't right either. Assets <laughs> side are here to fill the next hour of your lives with thought-provoking ideas, invite you to ask questions, add perspective, and have a lot of laughs along the way. And today's show is going to be filled with laughs because we have some really, really fun characters joining us and dear friends. The topic for this week, Richard, do you want to do it? You wanted me to do it. Oh, go right ahead. Drum drum roll. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Yeah, we're here. And we're here. And back. That's what Richard plays on his golf cart when he's riding around the golf course. Watch out, folks, if you want to play golf with him. The Don't rising. say anything about golf. My buddy's on the phone. This is going to be a long day. Yeah, yeah, ahead, yeah. <laughs> the rise and fall of our athlete heroes. And we are joined by two of our very special guests and dear friends, Eric Dickerson and Marcus Allen. Eric, so far, you're the first one to join us. Hello. Hello, how you doing? Well, I'm, I'm, I try to be punctual. <laughs> like yeah, well, we're, we're waiting on the prima donna to call. My, my, my uh, little sweet going? boy there. <laughs> Pleasure, Eric. Eric it's a pleasure to have you, man. You know, uh, Eric. Eric has been a, you know, sports itself. It, it just teaches you a lot, and and it brings friendship. That for many years you compete with one another on the, on the other side of the field, and and you know you don't know what the future entails, but you know Eric and Marcus has really become you know some of my best friends you know ever. Even guys like you know you grew up with. 
you know, you just have that love and passion and friendship and, and, and awareness with one another is just great. So, I, I mean, I, I just want to put on the record that, that I really appreciate your friendship and, uh, you know, they, that your friendship mean a lot to me. Well, thanks, Richard. The same here. I feel the same way. I mean, you know, as we played against each other for all those years, uh, I don't think we had a friendship. We had a, we had a mutual respect for one another. And, right, um, right. You know, playing against against you for, for all those those years and all those tough games we played. Um, you know, after the the, the, the lights stop, the tanks go off, and, and you're out the field. And then I think that's when you have a chance to really reflect on your career and, and get a chance to know you as a person. You know, I didn't know you as a teammate. You know, like I said, I played against you, but you know, good guy. I love seeing you. Love seeing you too, B. I mean, you know, and and I love you like like a brother. So you know, I feel the same way, my friend. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I used to be jealous of you. You know, yeah. Every time I come in California, you guys, you know, you got that great weather, folks hanging all over you, running at you. You had the, the you had the Carol working, and boy, <laughs> I, 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 I was like, man, look man, out, I'm coming out. Ain't nobody out. know me. Nobody give me no love. The women jumping all over you. I'm like, man, I really hate these guys for how they living out here. <laughs> I tell you, that's that's a whole other life will go. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's exactly that's exactly the problem right there. That's 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 yeah, actually yeah, a nice segue right. into our topic right. for today, isn't it? <laughs> Is that right? Okay, go ahead, young lady. Okay, you so since it. we're since we're sharing so much love, let me go ahead and set the stage real quick. I you okay, guys got go a little emotional tangent here, so just no, yeah, just we, get started. Just to get us started, let me um, go ahead and give a little bit of background on Eric and Marcus and then introduce our topic and then give you guys some framework to get started. Okay. So Eric Dickerson is a former uh, college and professional football player who was a running back in the NFL for 11 seasons during the 80s and 90s. Eric played college football for Southern Methodist University and was recognized as an All-American. He was selected in the first round of the 1983 NFL Draft and played professionally for the L.A. Rams, Indianapolis Colts, L.A. Raiders, and Atlanta Falcons. During his NFL career, he rushed for over 13,000 yards. He holds the NFL's single-season rushing record with 2,105 yards set in 1984. In 1999, he was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Marcus is a former NFL running back and football analyst for CBS. As a professional, Marcus ran for 12,243 yards and caught 587 passes for 5,412 yards. Is that Marcus? Yeah, how you doing? Oh, hey, Marcus. Hello. Okay, I, I see that you can't stay too long, so I'm going to do a quick little intro and then I'm going to jump us into this conversation. So Marcus Marcus played for the LA Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs from 1982 to 1997. He scored 145 touchdowns including a then league record for 103 123 rushing rushing touchdowns and was elected to six Pro Bowls over the course of his career. Marcus was the first player ever to gain more than 10,000 rushing yards and 5,000 receiving receiving yards during his career. Marcus is considered one of the greatest goal line and short and short yard runners in NFL history. He was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2000 and the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2003. Welcome, Marcus. You're giving Marcus a lot of love there. He, he, well, I bet him he ended with Marcus. I ended with Marcus. Okay, okay. So What's up, brother? Hey, Richard, how you doing? Uh, We're doing okay. I'm on, I'm on the bus uh, headed to the stadium. <laughs> 
okay. <laughs> for the national championship game on a bus uh, full of people. So I'm trying not to talk too loud. So um, well, tell them be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I can't do that. But uh, it, it's a pleasure to be on the show with you guys. Uh, how's everything going? Everything's great. Everything's great. So you say hello, so, you say hello to your buddy there, the other California buddy. He's on the line also. Is that here? What up, Marcus? What up, Marcus? Oh, well, I'm, I'm doing great, man. I'm disappointed. I won't be back in time to play golf tomorrow. Oh, that's all right, man. I'm just, I'm just getting well. I've, I've been sick for last since I played with you on Thursday. I've been down in the bed for all those days. <laughs> These guys sick, and they're living in 70 yeah, degrees. Baby, friend. let's get on with the show. Okay. Okay. Exactly. You were jealous a minute ago, Richard. I can't even fathom that. Go ahead. Okay, so, so let me let me set the stage for this show. This show. So, double amputee sprinter, South African, Oscar, Oscar Pistorius, former seven-time winner of the Tour de France, Lance Armstrong, one of the best golfers in the world, Tiger Woods, and the once respected and most celebrated coach in college football, Joe Paterno, not to mention the NFL's most recent scandals surrounding Adrian Peterson and Ray Rice. This show is really about you guys because you have first-person perspective and experiences setting the record straight, talking to us about what are some of the ups and downs of being an elite athlete and living in a world that most of us really don't understand and don't have to go through kind of meteoric changes over such a uh, quick period of time. So this show is really about the rise and fall and some of the you know, complexities associated with being an elite athlete and uh, needing to, you know, have your whole public persona out there for display all the time. I'm going to share some stats really quick, and then I'm going to have you guys jump in. The average professional athlete in the U.S. will make more in one season than most of us earn in our entire lives. This is more recent data. Despite those staggering salaries, 78% of NFL players, 60% of NBA players, and a very large percentage of MLB players, four times that of the average U.S. citizen, file bankruptcy within five years of retirement. And the divorce rate for professional athletes is much higher than national averages. The divorce rate among all pros is estimated at between 60 and 80%, according to the New York Times and Sports Illustrated, markedly higher than 50% of all Americans. What's the, what's the deal? What is it that the rest of us don't quite understand and that you can kind of give us, you know, pull back the curtain and help us understand the realities of this world that the rest of us don't quite understand? Well, oh, this is Marcus talking. Uh, let, let's just deal with, first of all, uh, human, beings, human beings make mistakes. Uh, now, pro athletes are in a, an environment where everything is with greater intensity. The, the amount of money you make, uh, the, the following that you have, um, the uh, the lure to uh, for the the trappings of success uh, that go along with that are much greater. Um, but I don't want to remove the the, the human factor. Uh, and again, uh, for the lack of a better phrase, I said it's it's a life on on steroids, if you will. Yeah. Um. It's just so much more amplified. Yeah. Um, and uh, with that, I think there is a drive, and I don't know if Richard and 
Derek agree with this, but there is a tremendous focus on really, you know, as an athlete, being that one specific thing. Uh, and, and a lot of times we don't develop in those other areas that are really important. That's interesting. Uh, whether, it, whether it's money, whether it's uh, yeah. family, whether it's uh, communication, yes. whether it's dealing with people, all those things are very critical to us developing and becoming a whole person. And when you're not a whole person, you're subject to make so many more mistakes. Uh, I've often said that football is what I did. It's not who I am. Uh, and I think Richard and Eric are clearly much more than just football players. And I think when you see yourself just more than that, um, it's easier to develop those other aspects of yourself. Um, whether it's, you know, it's not just learning, you know, um, being educated at, uh, or investing money, but being educated, you know, not relying on someone else. Uh, I'm going to jump in just for one moment because I have to take us to break, but I definitely want to pick up on this because what you're saying is really, really unique and a lot of us don't have access to these conversations. So I'm going to ask us to switch gears for just a few minutes. While we're at commercial break, please visit our website, www.dietajones.com. Check out our latest blog posts. Hit us up on Twitter at Dieta M. Jones and at Richard underscore Dent 95. We want to hear from you. Post your thoughts. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Richard Dent, a cornerstone of the Bears' overwhelming defense during their Super Bowl run and a 2011 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was an eighth-round draft pick out of tiny Tennessee State in 1983. The tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15-year football career. Dent's fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest, most dominant defenses in NFL history. Blood, Sweat, and Bears hits hard, just like its Hall of Fame author. Buy it now on Amazon or download it to Kindle. Dieta Jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking, consulting, and writing on leadership, management, and cultural diversity for more than 20 years. Her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting-edge research. She is diplomatic, yet direct and concept-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dieta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at dietajones.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. 
To reach the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to djones at dietajones.com. Now, back to the show. And continuing our conversation with Eric Dickerson, Marcus Allen, and, of course, Richard Dent on the rise and fall of our athlete heroes. Right before break, uh, Marcus, you were leading us into some really, really interesting thoughts about, you know, the single-focused nature of being an athletic, uh, you know, superstar. And what that means is that sometimes you sacrifice kind of the, the development of the whole person. Eric, do you have any perspective or experiences that you can share with us on this? Well, I, I think I think a lot of it sometimes is how you raised, how you brought up, you know, your your background, right, your right. family, where your mother, grandmother, father, dad, or if you have a two parents or a single parent. Um, I think a lot of it also comes back to you know the way that you deal with other people. I mean, and a lot of athletes, I think, especially this day and age, because of the the media, the social network, and everything, is is they have this this this. I guess Rush. it's entitlement. And then that's, that's, I think that's a lot of it. It's entitlement where I don't feel like we had the entitlement factor. Like we wouldn't feel like we were entitled to anything. I mean, it was all, you work for it. It was hard work. Football was, it was a job like anything else. I think now these guys feel like they're, they're stars even before they become, before they play in the National Football League because a lot of them are heard of, you know, in college, high school because of the media. And they have this, this, I, you owe it to me. I'm, I'm, I'm this person. I'm that person. And they forget, you know, to a point of, of where they come from. I mean, and, and that's what it really comes, breaks down to is, is where you come from, the person you are. I mean, if, if you're an ass from the beginning, you'll be an ass when you get, when you have $10 million. And that's, yeah. and that's just the facts. You're not going to be a nice guy all of a sudden. I mean, if, if you're a good guy from the beginning, you'll be a good guy, you know, when you have $100 million. And you know, I, I, I think yeah, a, I, and, and I think a, a lot, a lot of it is, is with, with with these young players, a lot is given to them, and and, and then a lot is expected of them also. I mean, I just use an example of a, a guy like Johnny Manziel. You know, he won the Heisman Trophy as, as a freshman, and and I think well deserving of it. I think he deserved it to win it. Uh, he comes into the NFL, and I think didn't take it seriously. You know, think that he could do the same thing that you can do in college. And I tell these kids in college. You know, you have on, on, a, on, a, on a college defense, you may have one or two guys maybe that's going to play in the professional football, going to play professional football. In the NFL, you have the best from everywhere. They're the best from Alabama. They're the best from Tennessee State. They're the best from SC. They're the best from SMU. That's the best from Alabama, Oregon, Texas. And then you put them all on one defense, and and that that's the difference. And and that's what that's what a lot of these players don't don't recognize. They don't take it serious. And then going out from from sports to the real life, all of a sudden. You know, you think you can get away with things in life that you got away with in sports. You know, you can you can shoot someone, you can you can do drugs. You, I, I can I can drunk, I can drive drunk. You know, and I can get I got away with it in college. I can get away with it. You know, out here in society, it does not work like that. You know, you you have to live by everyone else's laws, just like every, just like every other American. You know, for as you, you talked about the divorce rate of of an NFL player and, and uh, Major League Baseball, basketball. You know, it's so few of us guys. It's so few guys that play baseball. It's so, so few guys that play basketball, football. And, and, and you talk about a divorce rate. Well, you're talking about, you know, in the NFL, it's 2,000 players opposed right. to, you know, 100 million people, you know. Right. So, you know, you look at, you look at that and they, and they focus on the athlete because the light is on an athlete. 
and it's all about what the athlete has done, what he's doing. You know, if he says something that 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 isn't uh, politically correct, you know, all of a sudden he's he's vilified as a bad guy. Uh, if he divorces his wife, he's, if he has an affair, uh, and you know, you know, that's life. You know, we're all we're all human. We're human beings. We're gonna make mistakes, and and I think that they feel like athletes should live this perfect life, and it, and that's just that's fictitious. That that's that's what you see in a movie. That is not right. real life. You know, real life is real life. You get sick, you cry, you you die, you know, and you have problems like everybody else. And that's that's just that's just the facts. So, Eric, let me ask you a question. Do you think and and you talked about you know the responsibility is really with the individual for having the right kind of moral compass and understanding where their true north is from early in their life and how important their families are in shaping that. But but talk to us about some of the other messages that that you received, for example, and that players, young players, are receiving that are giving them reason to believe that they are entitled, or giving them reason to believe that they are different than or uh, exempt from the same rules that the rest of us live by. Are there messages coming from a lot of other places? Because clearly, it's not just in their own heads. This isn't just ego by itself. There's got to be more to it than that. Yeah, I think a lot of it is that is that the the school. Uh, they they is letting them get away with it. They get away there with you it go. At, there sometimes you go. at at their homes at home. You get away with it at home. You don't have the proper upbringing, or you don't have someone that will say, "Hey, that's wrong. You can't do that." You know, you got guys around. Oh, that's cool, man. You know, yeah, do that. You know, get up and say that. You know, and 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 it's not right. I mean, and and sometimes they might not have it. They might not even know it's wrong. They may think it's funny or it's cool to do something that is not something that that you should do i mean just like the guy uh jameson winston got up in, uh, on the, i guess in the student center you know grabbed his 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 his, his crotch you know and you know said Want some derogatory words i mean you can't you can't do that i mean common sense this, this, this is what i'm saying <laughs> it's not common respect sense. <laughs> right right it's common sense uh, a, 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 a eight-year-old knows common sense you don't do that he's a, he's he's a guy that's supposed to go in the NFL draft. Someone should be able to sit this kid down and say, look, son, all you're doing is killing yourself. You're killing your, you're killing your brand by yeah. doing these kind of things. You can't do that. I don't think anyone has really, maybe they have, sit him down and say, you are going to alienate yourself. Because one thing and I, I can say about the NFL is, is that if they feel like you're going to give them a black eye, especially now with all the stuff that has happened, that's come out in the last three or four years, they don't want to be associated with that. You know, and, and, and that's, that's a lot of it. But I say most of it comes from these kids having this entire No one is guiding them and telling them that that's wrong. You the universities are taking advantage. Yeah, Eric, the universities yeah. are taking advantage of them. Is not prepared. See, the parents and have to understand. Right. You know, and, you want to see your not, you want but, you want to see your kid play football or play sports. You have to understand. If I'm sending my kid to college, first of all, that coach is taking my place as a father. Those teachers will not be able to touch my kid like that coach. That coach is not going to jail your kid to be ready. For the world, not just ready to go play football, but to help your kid mature and become a young man. They are the ones that are responsible. But if they allow them to do the things that you're talking about, they're going to be a ass in a lot of different ways. That, that, that's true. That's true, Richard. I, I, I'll tell you one story. When, when I was in college, uh, when, I got, when I got recruited, Ron Ma told my mother, he said, Miss Dickerson, if I have a problem with him, I will call you. 
<laughs> and I won't forget, I got into a little trouble. And the first thing he said was, you know, Eric, I told your mother I treat you like a, like a, like a dad, but do you want me to call your mother? And I was like, no, <laughs> I, I, I get it. I mean, I get it. And, and that's, that's, that's where the problem lies. You have to have the fear. You know, you're not, you're not supposed to really be a, you're supposed to love your parents and not be afraid, but you're supposed to have the fear of God of them also. When they right. say, hey, boy, when I say stop, I mean stop. If I say don't do that, you don't do that. Even though if I'm, if, I mean, I, when, I, when I was 30 years old and I was, you know, even 25, 26, when my mother said something to me, it meant something. If she said, Eric, don't do that, or I don't want you to do this, you know, I want you to come in at a certain time. Even at a, even at a, I'm, out of, I'm out of her house, but if I'm under her roof, if I go to visit her at home, I'm going to live by her rules. That's respect. And absolutely. I, I think yep. I think that's and I, right. That's a respect factor. And I and think you, that's what we're losing. Even have to talk, right? We should with, just without, be able to look. You. you know, I'm, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you a story. I I, I did a, I did a radio show, and it was about the Adrian Peterson deal. You know what happened with Adrian and you know Spangler's son, and, mm-hmm. and the guy asked me, did I think you know that was right? I said, well, look, you know, I'm not Adrian Peterson. You know, I I hadn't I hadn't seen you know you know what had happened. I'd heard. I hadn't seen you know the, the, the marks on him and stuff. I said, but I don't believe in beating a child. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in, I don't believe in hitting women. I don't believe in none of that stuff. But I believe that you have to spank your kids and have discipline with them. I believe that. I said, I spanked my, my oldest daughter. I, I told him I had to spank her in a year. She was nine years old. I spanked her in a year because she kind of got it. But I don't beat her. But I do spot that spank her. And then when, then when, we, when she settled down and I settled down, I sit and talk to her and explain to her why I did it. I don't want her to be the kid that when she comes to someone's house, oh, God, here comes that bad carry. You know, parents don't say anything, don't do anything. I say, I don't want you to be that child. Do you understand? She say, yes, I tell her, I love you. I don't want to be. I don't, I don't like spanking you. It hurts me. Right. So a couple of weeks later, like, I, get, I get a letter in the mail from, from a guy that says that he has reported me to the Calabasas Police Department <laughs> for, for abusing my children. I beat my kids, and and he also sent a letter to the DA's office. What? I'm like, I was so pissed. I want, I want to write him back. And my wife Tennis said, "No, Eric, don't, don't write him back. Don't, don't even, don't even reply to that." But see, that's what I'm talking about. You have some of these, some of these parents that feel like you shouldn't spank your kids. And I don't believe in beating kids, not beating your child, but you should spank but, your kids. And but, like, but they believe in locking them up real quick. Right from wrong. Yeah, I, I don't believe. I don't believe in putting a kid in the corner. Like, okay, I'm gonna count to five. I'm not counting the five. When I say stop, <laughs> I mean stop. I mean, well, I mean, stop right hey, now. Eric, you know what? My mother, I grew up with seven brothers, and what, you know, what stuck to my mind is if we said something bad or did something bad, they pulled the soap out. They put that soap on your tongue. They rub that. You just rub it on that three or four times. You got that taste for about four or five days. <laughs> and one thing about a memory and a taste, it doesn't go away. Some people had a tolerance of taking spanking or warning or whatever. But at the end of the day, that taste bud, that taste bud goes right to the head. And that head understand that taste bud. When you don't have a taste for three or four days, hey, you know what, you know, hey, I, I chose not to say anything anymore. You know, so that's something that, you know. Uh, you know, if you got a kid, maybe, you know, that's something to try. But, you know. Richard, uh, Richard Denta, the soap, soap of parenting advice. Let me transition this, Richard. We ahead, need to switch ahead. gears for a few minutes. While we're okay. at commercial break, please visit our website, www.dietajones.com. 
Check out our latest blog post. Send us tweets at Dieta M. Jones and at Richard underscore Dent 95 or call us 1-888-346-9141. We'll be right back. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Richard Dent, a cornerstone of the Bears' overwhelming defense during their Super Bowl run and a 2011 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was an eighth-round draft pick out of tiny Tennessee State in 1983. The tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15-year football career. Dent's fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest, most dominant defenses in NFL history. Blood, Sweat, and Bears hits hard, just like its Hall of Fame author. Buy it now on Amazon or download it to Kindle. Dieta Jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking, consulting, and writing on leadership, management, and cultural diversity for more than 20 years. Her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting-edge research. She is diplomatic, yet direct, and concept-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dieta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at dietajones.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to djones at dietajones.com. Now, back to the show. So, this is hilarious. We've been on the uh, we've been on the line having a conversation during break talking about parenting tips. We we all have little ones running around the house and so we have all these parenting tips that we either have experimented with ourselves or other people have, you know, given us unsolicited yeah, advice yeah, about. Yeah, we got so many running around the house. I'm doing drills. I think I'm ready to play football again, Eric. Hell. All the toys and things. I got to jump over hell these days. It's hilarious. So let me transition. Since we've been talking about the rise and fall, let's talk about it from a slightly different angle just for a minute. Yesterday we were watching the playoffs and, and during the or the you know football games, and one of the things that we were talking about, and Richard, you brought this up, was how important it is to be able to get up while on the field itself. And I wanted to be able to let you guys talk a little bit about from an offense and a defensive point of view, the real-time experience during a game of having to fall down, fumble, for example, and then having to get up real-time and some of the pressures associated with that. Well, you know, I, I was saying, Eric, that, you know, a running back feels, you know, like, you know, like a woman would feel like when someone take advantage of her. Or, or take her personal space around. Because once you fumble a ball, 
you have so many hands holding you. You are paralyzed. Nobody, nobody's going to let you go because it, it, as a defense, you know, if a ball is fumbled and a guy grabs it, you know, you know guys grab, grab guys' testicles to try to get that ball, you know. Or <laughs> yeah, you know, if you true. don't hold it right, we go, you hear a guy screaming under that pile, you know somebody grabbed him, you know. <laughs> so it, it's, it's amazing, like I say, what takes place when a guy hits the ground when the ball comes out. I mean, today, the knee hit the ground, there's no fumble. Obviously, in a catch, you know, a catch, you got to control the ball. To me, it's the same force that takes you to the ground. So it should be a fumble if I hit you and you're running the ball and the ball pops out. That's my force, and the ground is my friend. But as of a catch, the ground is not, you know, a ground is not your friend, basically, uh, as a receiver. But as a defensive player, it still is. So to me, a fumble is a fumble if a defensive player pushes you down or if you got a catch and a defensive player pushes you. Either way it goes, it should be a fumble. Well, yes, I'll say this much. It's hard. when I'll go back. The one of my worst games I've played, and I still remember this game, we played the Washington Redskins. Damn, I thought two it was things. Bears championship. Two, 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 things, two things. Two things happened that game. <laughs> I fumbled the ball three times, and I had to get up and go back to the sideline each time. And that was, I mean, that was that that was just killing me. I mean, it's, so that was, it was a long walk, huh? When I could not hold on to the ball, then on then to make it worse, then Daryl Green had a then he caught me from behind, which I'd never been caught from behind before. Uh oh. So you know, you as a player, you have to get up and you know pick yourself up and say, hey, you know. You just have those kind of days. Those those days come. I mean, that's that's part that's part of football. Uh, you write. I mean, in the day's game, you know, the knee can touch the ground and it's not a fumble. When we played, the knee that you had to go all the way to the whistle. I mean, that's that's what it was all about. So if you didn't uh, hold it all the way down, then it's a free ball. It's a free, it's a free, it's a free ball. That's how it was. But, uh, and know, I'm sure it's, it's the loneliest feeling is. You know, I've I've had to check a guy one time, and the guy catches a touchdown. You fall, you look, you know, the fans yelling, everybody. It's it's the most loneliest walk back to the uh, back to the, the to 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 the sideline or back to the huddle. Generally, back to the sideline. All eyes are on you. It's the loneliest feeling, but it's only one play. To me, you know, I have some bad plays, but I tell guys if your good plays is better than your bad plays. You're gonna end up doing well. Yeah, everybody's just someone on the other side of the field there that that's uh, playing too, and you gotta respect that. But this yeah, is well, really you know, about the character thing that Eric was talking about earlier. You have to be really made from some from tough stuff. That's to be what I'm saying. That's, you know what I mean? like being you a running back, be able to brush it to off tough. and keep going. You know, being a what running back, baby, it's, it's it's you know, it's so hard to get a yard or it's so hard to get three, four yards. You got a little crack that's open and closed within a second. Speak about that, E. Oh, it, I, I know. I mean, it, it, it happens. I tell all these, these, these guys out here, think, oh, man, I could have caught that pass. I could have went through that hole. I said, let me tell you something. <laughs> I, and you, hear, you hear it all the time. I saw all these armchair quarterbacks, all these right, armchair right. running backs. I said, you get out there. I said, that stuff's going to happen so quick. I said, the first thing you're going to think of is, what the hell am I doing out here? <laughs> and, and that's exactly what you're going to think. What the hell am I doing out here? Because when I first got in the NFL, I won't forget my first day of practice when the veterans showed up. Run, run, uh, John Robinson said, it's going to be different when the veterans show up. It's going to be faster. 
you'll see the difference in the game. I'm like, man, we had been in camp at that time three weeks before the veterans showed up. I said, it can't be any different. It ain't going to be no different. Sure enough, when the veterans showed up and we did pass protection, you know what pass protection is then, where yes, you are yes. rushing the court. You as a defensive player, you rushing the quarterback. Full blast run. We got to pick up the blitzing linebackers. That was a nightmare for me because everything was happening so fast. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I cannot do this. I will never forget that feeling. But take like that, anything, take. after a while, you, you settle down, you acclimate to it, you get used to it. But it's something you have to get used to. It's like, look, I never played professional baseball. It's like me trying to stand there and take a, a 90 mile an hour fastball. Or uh, I'm, I'm watching a guy come down the basketball court and, and I'm trying to stop him, you know, going to the hoop, going to the hoop. I mean, we don't know what that's like. You know what it's like pass rushing a guy, making a sack. I know it's like cutting through the line and going for a touchdown. That's what we do. That's what we know. Yeah, pass rush to me is like one-on-one basketball, but you can run over a guy. So there's no such thing as a charge. But, you know, E, you, you are definitely one of the fastest running backs that I ever kind of played against. I, I'm sure I've said this to you several times. It's not often people can unblock me on the backside and run off tackle, and I can't get over there and catch a guy. But I'm still trying to catch you, brother. I'm still trying hey, to catch you. I always say that. I'm still trying to <laughs> hey, man, I'm, I'm like, if you guys, I tell Hampton, though, if you guys can make him cut back just a little bit, you know, I, I swear I'm, I'm, I'm going to knock him out. If he could just get, he don't cut back. All I can see on the bottom of his shoes, I see the bottom of them Nikes running. I'm like, oh, hell, here you go again. So this guy over here running down the toll booth, not paying one toll. Well, see, now, in, in certain games, there's certain guys that we like to run to and like to run, run away from. You were a guy that we ran away from. Now, as great as Lawrence Taylor was, we ran, we, when I was Durant, we ran at him. That's what we like to do. We were, we were very effective at running at him. Tell me about that cut on Lawrence Taylor. Tell us about that. Tell us about that cut you had on Lawrence Taylor. Oh my God! Do we have time for that, D? Yeah, yeah, we have a minute. Uh, well, it's, this is my this is my rookie season. I'm going over. We play the Giants, this, and this is the first football game of the season. The opening day, we play the Giants for my rookie season. They put a play in. We have to block Lawrence Taylor. Well, I have to cut him. And I said, look, I don't have to block him now. They said, no, you don't have to block him. You just have to cut him. I'm like, just cut him. Get his hands out. I'm like, okay. True enough, it's late in the third quarter. They call a play. And as defensive player, and any defensive player that hears this knows that they don't like to, you don't, they don't like to be cut. They don't like, like to be cut. Yeah. They don't like that. I cut, I cut him good. I cut him real good. I'm walking back to the hood. He grabs me by my arm. He says, hey, you black. And you know what? Don't cut me. You hear me? So I'm standing, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, we're going to laugh. You effing hear me? I said, yes. <laughs> I didn't even go back to the huddle. I went straight to the sideline. <laughs> I said, hey, 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 Bruce. That's my, my position coach. He said, what? I said, man, I'm not cutting line. I said, wait a minute. You're not on the field. So, because we only had 10 minutes. I said, and I said, they had to call a timeout because I wouldn't go back <laughs> on the field. And I cut that man. He's crazy. He told me he's going to kill me if I cut him again. He said, Eric, come down. We won't call the play. I said, I'm not going back out there. I said, well, just, just, just stay on the sideline for a minute, and we'll call it. I said, I'm not, I'm not, we're not calling that play again. So that was my Lawrence Taylor incident. <laughs> you know, oh, man. That is he, 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 he scared me. I can say he scared me. It's a yeah. schoolyard bully. This sounds, I can just see you. you, you yeah, like yeah, Lawrence is a schoolyard bully. I'm okay. On the field, baby, on the field. But you know what? These stories are really interesting because they, 
even though they're about being on the field, they're a perfect analogy with the larger conversation that we were having about character and entitlement, but also about the personality and the duration associated with the professional careers that you've had. Now, you and, and Eric and Marcus have had longer careers than most folks. Let me just tell you a couple of statistics. You probably know this already. The average career span in the NBA, MLB, and NFL is 4.8, 5.6, and 3.5 years, respectively. So the amount of time that you had to acclimate to, you know, people like Lawrence Taylor or to, you know, being able to get up out of a tough play and kind of brush it off and go back in with your ego intact and get your mind right, or even to the lifestyle associated with being an elite athlete is much longer than most people have. And so it's really interesting just to think about how many factors there are that contribute to people really living under a, a microscope in a very, very concentrated period of time. Well, you know, and, and I could say to a story like that, you know, in Super Bowl week, you know, everybody's telling you how great you are and takes, you know, and by the time you get to the game, you know, you're in la-la land because you've never been there. So, yeah. you know, first play, I go out on the field, Walter Fumble the ball. We really wanted to shut the Patriots out. They throw a quick slant first play. I'm looking, and, and Holloway, uh, Hannah, I know it's Holloway, he hits me in the chest, and I'm staggering back, and I'm trying to stand up. One thing about a defense lineman, offense lineman, we don't want to be on our back with our numbers on the ground. So I'm about to fall over, and I can see him coming at me. He's trying to wipe me out. So I said that I could take a lick or I could fall down and start this thing all over again. So I bailed out. Guy went over top of me. He lit a fly. He really lit a fire. But the point is, you would think, like, why does he need to light a fire when you playing in a Super Bowl? This is every play. Things like this happen. So, hey, when that took place, it got up. Yeah, I was yeah. pissed off. But, yet, from that point on, it was on. It should have been on the whole way. But you've been in la-la land the whole time. And this is like these kids is coming out of college. They're in la-la land. And now they're coming to play. And now some people are not really ready for the success that's being asked for, you know. And I, I tell people, look, you know, it, you're at the highest peak in your life. You know, you got an opportunity to meet so many people, corporations and whatever. The only thing higher than that is the president. And chances of you being president is very slim to none. And Slim <laughs> just walked out the door. So you're on your way downhill. So e- either way where it goes. You know, you're at a high peak and you have to come down. I don't care who you are. You have to come down. So it's what you have done while you're at that peak or uh, while you're on the way up on that peak. You know, it's, it's very important to, you know, I know we're on a pedestal, but I don't put myself on a pedestal. You know, well, I keep myself on common ground, you know, so I, I stay with the reality well so I don't get hurt. Well, let me let me switch us let me switch us uh, forward to a break for just a couple of minutes, and then we'll come back. And what I'd like to have you all talk about is what's next. What's next in football? What do you think we're going? What are some of the big questions that um, that that the league is going to have to answer? That you know, players are going to have to start thinking about more seriously. What are some of the larger social responsibility efforts that can and should be taking place? And also, what are the things that you're up to to make a difference? Hit us up on Twitter at Dieta M. Jones and at Richard underscore Dent 95 and give us a call 888-346-9141. We'll be right back. Hmm. 
This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. Richard Dent, a cornerstone of the Bears' overwhelming defense during their Super Bowl run and a 2011 inductee into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, was an eighth-round draft pick out of tiny Tennessee State in 1983. The tall and skinny rookie wound up with a brilliant 15-year football career. Dent's fascinating story takes you behind the scenes of one of the fiercest, most dominant defenses in NFL history. Blood, Sweat, and Bears hits hard, just like its Hall of Fame author. Buy it now on Amazon or download it to Kindle. Dietta Jones has been delivering expert guidance through her speaking, consulting, and writing on leadership, management, and cultural diversity for more than 20 years. Her engaging style and infectious laugh combines with mastery of personal effectiveness tools and cutting-edge research. She is diplomatic, yet direct, and concept-based, yet practical in her approach. If you are looking for a high-powered speaker for your next conference, consider Dietta Jones your ace in the hole. Call her at 312-870-9596 or visit her website at DietaJones.com. Live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Get motivated. Hear about success stories and positive encouragement. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to DJ and DeBear, keeping you at the top of your game. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to djones at dietajones.com. Now, back to the show. We're back and continuing our conversation with Eric Dickerson. Marcus Allen dropped off. He was, he was as he told us, on a, on a bus en route to a, a game. So he dropped yeah, off. The college and championship. Eric, the college championship, baby. He, he's, I know you're not big on sports, but, yeah, he's going to the first playoff with the national uh, championship today. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's yes, understandable it that he dropped off. Marcus, we're, we're giving you a shout out, but we're going to continue our conversation with Eric and Richard. And right before break, we were talking about, you know, character and longevity and, and, and all sorts of things related to kind of being on the field and the pressure associated with that, the truncated lifespan of the, you know, career athletes. And now I'd like to ask you, what do you think is next? Let's just take football of all the sports, you know, since this is the, the expertise that the two of you bring. What's next with pro football? Where is it going? What are some of the big picture questions? What are some of the implications for young athletes now who aspire to play in the NFL? Well, I think, first of all, you know, a, a lot of young athletes, um, they, you know, they, they, a lot of some of these guys are going to get drafted, some of these guys are not going to get drafted. And that's just, that's just mm-hmm. the big, that's, that's the big thing. I mean, I, I think a lot of these, these young players, they've, they've, predicate their whole career on playing in the National Football League, and some guys aren't. And then it's got to be a life after football. Now, what do you do after you leave college? Are you prepared when you when you leave college? I mean, I can say I was a guy that I didn't think about getting drafted. I was 
I was blessed. I mean, probably like Richard. I mean, I didn't think about playing professional football. It just kind of, I don't want to say fell in my lap, but it kind of fell in my lap in a sense. Oh, wow. but, I, but I was blessed. And through that, I've been able to do a, a lot of great things. Um, one of the things we're doing right now is uh, with my foundation, uh, my friend uh, Jason Hill. We're doing the Young Warriors. Dot uh, org. Uh, it's teaching young men, young boys, how to become young men, and that that that's one. I think one of the factors when you look at these guys that come in into the National Football League, they're still boys and they're still learning how to be men. Uh, you know, some of them are getting a lot of money, uh, a lot of notoriety, and they don't know how to be men yet. And what we do is is with the the, the young youth, uh, you know, mostly you know in the in the poverty-stricken areas, you know, going to the schools. It's a program that the mother has to go through with the boy, with their, with their son, to make sure that they're serious about doing the program and teach them how to go out and, you know, get a job and to, to communicate with people, you know, to, to be respectful, you know. And, and that's what it's all about, really, is being respectful, how a yeah. person views you. Because sometimes your first impression is your last impression. Yeah. You know, if you, if you come out with a, with a great impression on a person, like, wow, that was a nice young man. You know, he made a real impression on me. And what we want to do is we want to have an impression on some of these young men's lives that will change their lives. You know, if they can go out and they can help other young young boys when they become men, you know, to, to help them, you know, to cope with to, to this world. It's, it's not easy out in this world. It's, it's not. I mean, even if you're a pro athlete or, or an actor or whatever, you have your struggles. I mean, and that, that's just part of life. You know, one of the things that I really respect so much about Richard and, and now that I've had a chance to meet and get to know you and Marcus is that you're all multidimensional people. You know, you're athletes, you're elite athletes, no question about that. That's how you came together. And you've been you've used that as an opportunity to find ways to give back, to reach other people, to connect with stories that um, you know, would be resonant with a lot of people who look up to you and look up to your accomplishments. But more than that, you have you have character. Right. You're you're funny. You're interesting. You you can talk politics. You can you know, you have more to you than just being a star athlete. And that's the thing that I think you're talking about here. And the thing that's really important is to start cultivating at really young ages. So, for example, Richard and I are our youngest is six years old and he he's he's six. He's been playing piano for three years. He just started playing sports. So now he's doing hockey and basketball and all of that. But really cultivating a love and an interest in a variety of different things in people and also not just a respect for other people but a respect for themselves right so we say listen you look at yourself in the mirror and say you know this is my a game every time you leave the house even though you're six years old you look at yourself in the mirror and you say am i bringing my a game today or when you talk to your mom or your dad you say yes ma'am or no sir and we really cultivate you know, that sense of respect and sense of kind of multidimensionality at very young ages. And I think and I think what you're talking about is very similar and why you've grown into being such a successful person who's been able to have many career highs and lows. It's not like you were just successful at one thing. You've been able to be successful multiple times over in one lifestyle in one lifetime. And that's the real mark of success. And I think that's what's important for people to hear. At 30 years old, you you still have a lot of years left. So just saying I'm going to go for it for, you know, three to five years after college when I'm in the pros is one thing. But really being able to have a successful life, that takes a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of preparation that's quite different. Well, it's, it's, in, it's important to push kids to a level that they don't know that they have. Just yeah. like when you go to college, and you, you know, 
we had to run that time. We had to do certain things. And, and some of the things I thought I could never do, but I had a chance to do them, you know. And once you accomplish those goals, your mind begins to open up and you begin to see that, oh, I can do that. What else can I do? You know, and, and that's what I try to instill into the kids today. Just keep giving them many things to do, whatever they may like to do. You know, you do one, you can do another, but you first have to be able to accomplish one story. Yep. Well, well, one thing is, and, and I, I tell some of the young guys that I've talked to, um, is that one day you're going to be an old man. I tell them all this. I say, <laughs> I say one day, I, I was your age. I was 23 years old once upon a time. I said, and one of these days you're going to wake up and you're going to be 50 years old or you're going to be 40 years old or the NFL is going to be uh, long forgotten. I say, then what do you want to do then? I mean, yeah. it's life after sports. And you'll, have, you'll be an old man a lot longer than you'll be a young man. Yep. I mean, that's just that, that's yeah. just the truth I think and I think a lot of young men even I think when I was young I didn't see that either you know, I, yeah I, I didn't see 50 we, we, we played the Detroit Lions I'll never forget this we played the Detroit Lions my rookie year it was a guy who the old guys on the field it was a guy chick. I could tell he was older because he had a great beard he was chasing me and I remember I ran I ran and I ran out of bounds and I came back and, and I came back by him I said oh man you can't catch me he said keep living one day somebody catch you youngster and I never <laughs> forgot that. I never forgot that. That's because when the clock just stopped and you start thinking, the, right? <laughs> I, I used to, I think one day he's right. I will be an old man. And, and, and right now I'm 54 years old and, and my youth is way past me. And, and it's getting farther and farther away from me. My clothes yeah. is getting farther and farther away. Yeah, I I used a lot to, of you young guys don't realize that one day, you know, that they will be older men. They will not be able to play in the NFL. To wear that NFL uniform, to wear the, the Chicago Bear uniform, the Los Angeles Rams, whatever team you play for, it is a privilege to wear that uniform. They're yeah. not doing you a favor. It is a privilege for you to wear it because, you know, you only wear it for a short amount of time. Very you know, you wear it for four years, three years. You're not going to wear it no more than, I'll I give you a long Even if it's 10 or 16, it's short. And it's over. And it's over after that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, standing on the field and you look and you see, you know, alumni week, you see all these old guys coming like, oh, these old guys, man. And next thing you know, now you're standing in that line, man, man, waving and waving. You one of them old guys. <laughs> hey, old how y'all doing over there? <laughs> yeah, there's something really humbling yeah, but, about the way the world works. Let me, I, you know, the, I have the, to wrap go ahead, this up. Babe. Go ahead, D. Okay, I got to wind this down. I'm so, so sorry that our time well, has to come ready to, to say, end. Go ahead. I, we don't have the time. You have to tune in next time. Tune in next time. Eric, thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you. As always, Mark, shout out. Enjoy the game. Love you, Marcus. Um, Eric, appreciate it, brother. Love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. And the kids. Absolutely. Our love to the whole fam. We loved every minute of it and hope you have two listeners. Please join us next week when we, when we will be talking about race in America, building a socially sustainable tomorrow. Sign up for our mailing list at www.diatajones.com to get weekly updates. Let us know what shows are of interest. Until next week, keep finding ways to make a dent in pursuit of your dreams, to serve your community, to make our world better. ED, I'm going to make a dent on you on that golf course. Get it ready. Tee it up, boy. Thanks again for tuning in. Please join Dietta Jones and Richard Dent for another edition of DJ and the Bear. 
We'll be back next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. 